If you are a dog trainer or dog business owner, check out my free marketing masterclass for pet pros at www.freedbytraining.com unleash, or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to Dog Training Bites by Bite by Bites. The show where canine professionals share their key takeaways, big aha moments, and hardest lessons learned from working with dogs. I'm Madison, certified dog trainer and behavior consultant, and dogs are my life. Every day I get to coach guardians and other trainers into a deeper understanding of canine behavior. But let's face it, sometimes dog training really bites. And that's okay, because when it does, we learn a lot. This pod, 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 podcast, podcast is all about sharing the lessons learned from experience. Because the stories of when it got tough or when we made a mistake, that's when we learn the lessons worth learning. Worth learning. And it's time we share those with the world. I'll be talking to dog, dog, dog trainers and other pet professionals about times that working with dogs, well, bit. Not literally. Not literally. Maybe literally. What's most important here on this show, what did they walk away with? What did they learn? What did they learn? How did it shape their approach today? Today, today, today. Welcome to Dog Training Bites, the show where pet professionals share personal lessons that you won't find in any textbook. Today, we have someone I've been lucky enough to get to know over the last year or so through the power of social media, Amelia Steele. Amelia is an experienced dog trainer and behavior consultant who also creates free and highly accessible training content for guardians all over the world. She specializes in addressing and preventing behaviors such as reactivity, aggression, and anxiety. Amelia encourages her audience and clients to take a step back and look at the larger picture of canine welfare to find the root of a behavior. But most importantly, she strives to make training easy and fun for everyone involved. Hi, Amelia. It is so nice to have you here today for our little story corner. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I think the first thing I want to know about, and I only know a little bit about this, is just to hear a little bit more about the dogs in your life. I know you have two at the moment. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so I have two dogs. I have Cassius, who's my older dog. He is, he's going to be six this year, which is just wild to me because he like, literally feels like yesterday since I got him. Uh, he's a German Shepherd and he is the most interesting dog I've ever worked with. He's the dog that definitely inspired me to become a dog trainer. The dog that started it all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then I have Indy, who is my golden retriever, and he is two and a half. They're very interesting dogs because they couldn't be more different as dogs. Right. Working with both of them has been such an interesting experience because I think I've learned totally different things from both of them. What is their dynamic like together? They absolutely love each other. So Cassius has always been really great with dogs. And which I think is so funny because being a German Shepherd, people are always like, oh, what's he like with other dogs? How will he respond to a second dog? Yeah. But I had so much faith in him that he would be great. And he was. And so the second we brought Indy home, it was like we'd brought him a puppy. Honestly, I've never seen <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Puppy. You got me a puppy. <laughs> yeah, honestly, he just sort of like really took to him and they they just love each other. And I genuinely think sometimes Cassius pretends that he's not interested in Indy. Like when they're out and, you know, there's other stuff going on. He's like, oh, you yeah. know, you're my uncool younger brother kind of. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in this sort of like moments that count you can really tell that he, they really love each other and um it's so it's so so nice to see and 
yeah, there's never really been any issues between the two of them. They just they just love each other. That's amazing. What a what a nice transition to have had because you're right, it can go and we've seen it go not that smoothly. Yeah, definitely. And I think it definitely helped that he was a puppy because I think bringing an older dog might have been a much harder a transition not that he's ever disliked other dogs but I think it's always trickier to get two adult dogs to like each other right you have a lot more ability to influence you know the the behaviors and the manners that they're gonna have early early on with the puppy <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and I think Indy is definitely the more boisterous one out of the two even though he's much mm-hmm. smaller and I think that dynamic works nicely because if it was the other way around it would right. be harder but because Indy was levels so, the playing field yeah definitely and because in, Indy was so small as a puppy Cassius learned really early on oh if I'm too rough or if I yank this toy too hard that's game over and I don't get to play with you so he learned to be gentle but it's to the point now where he still lets him win every game <laughs> like oh I realized that the playing a field good older brother <laughs> it's very sweet they like to play a game where they're both holding a toy and Indy will pull Cassius to the other side of the room with the toy. And then Cassius stands up, pulls him back, and then they just repeat that game. It is so funny and it's so cute. That's adorable. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay, Amelia, what is the story that you brought for us today? I'm excited to hear this one. Yeah, so it's really, it's a story about, I guess, trusting in yourself and the experiences that you've built because... Oh, I love that. Yeah, I... I was thinking about it because I've worked with so many behavioral cases and, you know, I think you definitely take something from every single dog that you work with. But I think these dogs impacted me particularly a lot because of the amount that I worked with them. So this was a day training client that I had. So I would pick the dogs up twice a week. We would go out for training. So it was a really good experience for me, I think, because a lot of it was being hands on me doing the training rather than necessarily coaching the clients. They were two smaller dogs, so two Maltese, they were litter mates, and they had been really unwell as puppies. So as soon as they came home, they got Giardia, Mm. and that basically put them both in the hospital, puppy hospital, and um, they basically missed their entire socialization phase. So they both had extreme reactivity, and when I first started working with them, they couldn't go for a walk. They would immediately leave their apartment block and freeze and shake and they hated the walk gosh we knew it would be a long process which is why we agreed on day training because the clients were they ran their own business and you know they were traveling all over the world so a lot of the time they were having like dog nannies come in to look after the dog so they needed more consistency yeah and I think they just needed that sort of help getting started because Mm -hmm. I think we started seeing that progress it was much easier to hand over to them and say here's what you continue the training and so we always knew that it would be a long process and we knew that it would take time and a lot of patience and we got to a point where they were brilliant and I think a really hard a really hard transition for a lot of reactivity cases is getting from the point where dogs you can walk past dogs to then the interactions Mm -hmm. and I think the bit that people get stuck on a lot of the time And this was a really interesting case because the area that these guys lived in was city center. As soon as you walked out the door, there was loads of dogs, loads of things. Okay, yeah. Loads of stuff going on. It's tough. It's tough when you have an environment like that, but you can't just turn to a client and say, well, you need to pick up and move your whole life. That's not (laughs) really a reasonable thing most of the time. Exactly. And 
it, it was a sort of really interesting moment I think that made me realize like at some point you have to trust in your own training because mm-hmm. I remember taking them out one day and we were getting to the point where they could quite comfortably walk past other dogs we weren't getting the reactions and a dog came up behind us out of nowhere and in my moment of sort of like panic of like we've not been in this situation before this dog was already there and I the dogs that I were with were great they stopped they sniffed I you know you do what you do right I'm gonna keep the lead really loose I can't yeah. explain to the other person hey these guys can be reactive and there was no reaction there was nothing there was just sniffing a really nice interaction and then they moved on and you know it, it was in that moment that I kind of realized that at some point you have to trust in your training because we knew mm-hmm. that okay, we've staged greetings, we've done parallel walks, we've done all the right things. But when those moments happen, I guess, as you would say, in the wild, yeah, it quite, you almost have a hangover on how dogs used to be. So I think people say a lot of the time, like train the dog in front of you. But I think that even goes for when your training has gone well, because sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the progress that you've made and realize like, hey, it's it's all there. And that's something I've really tried to encourage and instill in the clients that I have to this day, because still I'll, I'll work with dogs where, you know, we're getting them to a certain point, but people have such a hangover about how the dog used to be. Sometimes yeah. they are holding the dog back from progressing. So mm-hmm. I think that really goes for every stage of training, you know, like train the dog in front of you, even when your dog is doing really well and, and thriving with that training. So that's the story that I really wanted to bring to the table today. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's so much in there. I think there's, like you said, trusting in yourself, trusting in your own abilities. And that is something that can translate over to like our experience as trainers in feeling that of, okay, I'm just going to trust my abilities to navigate through this moment. I think that also sparks the conversation of, well, how can we get guardians and owners to that point? How can we get them to feel that level of confidence? Because, you know, we have these protocols that we practice and practice and practice and practice in the absence of these moments. It can be hard to remember to actually do it in that moment. Right. So I think, I think you're right. It's about, it's about building our confidence in that moment, trusting, trusting our handling abilities, trusting that we practiced for this. Right. So like, it's time to just do it as opposed to falling back into our old patterns of tensing, of, of, of restricting, of controlling, of doing all these things that we maybe used to do that weren't working. So I think that there is just, oh my gosh, there's so much there. What are the, what are the types of thoughts or the thought patterns that like we as humans, so this could be you as the trainer or maybe a guardian can get stuck in and can hold you back because I've, I've had this happen. Same thing in particular with client dogs I've been working with for a really long time, like months and months and months and months where we're taking 1%, like 1% steps. And all of a sudden we've made this progress and we don't realize that if things have actually hit a point where they're exponential, where we can be making two or 3% progress each day, but we're still stuck in this like micro, micro goals. So I guess I'm curious, yeah, like what other thoughts do you think become limiting for us or the owners? I I think- A really good example of this is actually something that happened with me and my dog. So Indy, my golden retriever, last year got attacked in the park. And we had that period of time was just... I didn't know that. Yeah. And we actually had it happen to us twice. So one time... Oh my gosh. 
we got to go our, to a new park. <laughs> our area is just, you. I've stopped walking my dogs in our local area now because at this, I think there's too many dogs for the number of people and the number of accessible walking areas. Mm-hmm. And the leash laws here are basically non-existent. So everywhere right. is off leash, which makes things different. Oh my different. gosh, yeah. We had one instance where a dog had rushed us and started, actually the dog was going for my German Shepherd and he doesn't, an eyelid when that happens but I'm thinking in this moment like this guy can't get control of this dog like if my dog fights back I'm gonna look like the bad one so I pulled him behind me and this dog just ended up biting me and then my but my golden retriever found the whole thing really stressful and was very stressed afterwards at home being panting really couldn't settle and then we'd had it again in a different park where a German lead reactive had come over and just started going for both the dogs which wasn't very pleasant. No, and not so much. So coming out of that situation, I was so anxious myself about how how is he going to feel about dogs now? Because yeah. this is two different situations. I'm really worried that he's going to be nervous. And so me being extra cautious, I took him out for training, but I really wanted to do everything right. So I sort of gave him a break, then did gradual exposure, met up for play dates, all those yeah. things. But I was still every walk finding myself getting super anxious I was yeah. avoiding certain places I was just so worried because I was like you know especially being a professional you think well if my dog reacts badly that could make me look bad as a professional it could impact yeah. my reputation because even though it might not be his fault or he might not have started it you you know so you never know whether someone's going to turn around and be like hey your dog did xyz yeah but actually when we took a step back from that we realized that he was fine. He was actually fine. Like yeah. he just quite happy staying high, quite happy playing with dogs if he wanted to. And it, everything was me. I was the one creating the anxiety around We can that. project by accident. Yeah, definitely. So there was a couple of things that I think helped. I mean, I've done my own therapy. So I think learning from that has been great and just learning yeah. actually to take a step back and one of the things I learned in that was to ask yourself questions like, uh, am I making assumptions about this situation? Am I catastrophizing? Is the anxiety that I have, is that a reality or, or am I am I creating a scenario that doesn't really right. exist? So I think taking a step back from that and really looking at my own behavior and, and I, you know, it's it's okay to be anxious. It's a human response. But I think learning how to make sure that's not then translating through to the dogs is you know is important so I would do a lot around setting the walk up to be successful for me as well so yeah where can we go where I can just switch off and enjoy the walk and maybe that means we just do street walks for a little bit maybe that means I go and walk with my friends who have dogs that we know so that I'm not worrying about it or maybe yeah. we book a field um, and doing those things, you know, to just really learn to enjoy the walks again, really It's helps. giving you some positive reinforcement. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes it's sort of like taking a step out of the experience that you're in and reflecting back on that. And, you know, the same goes for these behavioral cases. So if we're working, let's say, with a client that has a, a reactive dog, but actually we're seeing, well, they're not so reactive anymore and they can go out and do these walks and and enjoy themselves and have this freedom, I normally get people to sit down and sometimes I I find it helpful to get people to journal because Mm -hmm. we get them to sit down and reflect on the walk and okay 
what does a reaction look like these days? How often are the reactions happening? Like, what is the worst case scenario? When I think when people sit down and write it and put it yeah. into writing, they can actually see like, okay, this is the reality of my situation right now, rather than sort of projecting a, a reality into the situation that doesn't exist. So I find that really helps from a client perspective. And yeah, That's like really I said- interesting, journaling. Yeah. I've never thought of that. I'm a very like, numbers and data person. So I'm, you know, I ask my clients for frequency and intensity behavior charts to fill them out. So that could be, this is, I guess the same thing, but in like a qualitative versus a quantitative, right. But you can even use that, whether it's a previous journal or old data to show them, look at how things have changed. You know, the intensity used to be here. The frequency used to be here. It used to take this, this much time to recover. And now look at how much different things are. I think that that can be really game-changing to have that type of exercise on the front end of a program and then have these sort of check-ins throughout to see and be able to celebrate those wins because they don't feel big when you're in that 1% improvement. But when you reflect on it, it can feel really freaking good. That's the thing. And I think sometimes you almost get the opposite problem as well, where because you're with a dog every single day and you're not necessarily seeing that big change people feel like oh well I've not made any progress and then when you actually Absolutely. reflect on it, you're like wow look out you know look how different things are so it's a it's definitely an exercise I love doing with my clients and it I do online coaching so it's a, a lot of it's done through whatsapp so it's something we get people to do for themselves and do for the chat as well but I find it helps because another issue that I think a lot of people have is different rates of progress with different people within the household so I get people to track their individual progress because I think Mm. it's easy for people to go well the dog's really well behaved for you but they're not good for me but then actually compared to where we were at a month ago there's a huge difference with that individual so I find it just a really helpful exercise overall to help with all of those things like tracking and measuring progress but also really looking at the reality of the current situation rather than getting stuck in those hangovers of what used to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. I haven't thought about, you know, splitting that, that information up into individual handlers within the family unit. I love that because you're right. I think there can be a lot of discrepancies even within a household (laughs) and that can be really frustrating or challenging. And you certainly don't want to take away from the feelings that the family member that's having a ton of progress or maybe is farther ahead is feeling because that's going to encourage them to keep with their progress. But yeah, just giving everybody their own path and their own milestones to success. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it's so common within households as well, or you get it quite a lot where a dog might have a different dynamic with like a male versus female member of the household. Absolutely, yeah. I think sometimes people struggle with that because they think, what am I doing wrong? But Mm -hmm. when we step out of that and look at, okay, but this is where we were at a month ago and this is where we're at now, it can be huge progress, but that individual person is comparing their progress with where their partner is at and they're going, but I want to be there. So I think that's not your journey. That's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I think so much of it is, like I say, really I guess taking a lesson from the dogs and looking at what's going on in this moment rather than, mm-hmm. you know, where where do I want to be all the time or or where was I six months ago and am I still there? So I, I think it's definitely a useful exercise to step out of that. I could not agree more. Okay, Amelia, is there anything else you would like the listeners and the dog people out there to know about you or what you do or how they can work with you? 
Yeah, so basically, so I specialize mostly in problem behaviors and sort of general pet dog training. So pulling on the lead, reactivity is a big one that I deal with all the time, resource guarding, separation anxiety, those types of behaviors. And then obviously your general stuff as well. So settling in the house, basic manners, all that lovely stuff. And at the moment, I'm doing that all online. So I do have a one-to-one program. It is currently full, but I also offer support and advice through my training hub, which is basically a community-based platform with loads of hosted content. So you can work through it at your own pace. But like I said, there's also a huge community element. So we all like to support each other. You get support from me. We do live workshops. So it's really designed to be a sort of entire training package that is accessible and affordable. You can connect with Amelia on Instagram at Amelia the Dog Trainer, and you can find more information on her training and a link to her website in the show notes. Thanks for joining us in the world of Dog Training Bites, where every challenge brings a lesson worth sinking our teeth into. See you next time. Dog Training Bites was created, produced, and edited by Madison Simpson. You can connect with me on Instagram at Dog Training Bites, that's B-Y-T-E-S, and at Freed by Training. For information on today's guest and resources for help with your dog or dog training education, visit www.dogtrainingbites.stream. Looking for more? Listen to my other show, Unpacked, a clinical dog training podcast co-hosted by Sailor Jerry the Dog Trainer and produced by Straight Up Dog Talk, LLC.